Hi, and welcome to Magic on the Patio. I am your host, Lauren Mahana, and I am here with Vivian Haas, the magical, awe-inspiring, bespoke spiritualist. <laughs> Vivian, how are you today? I am great. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. I feel like it's just like you, you like encompass this like awe of beauty and wonder I feel like I I've been like a fan of your social media like your Instagram for so long and I'm just like I'm so excited that you're here (laughs) it's so interesting now because the way I've seen my social media um really since I've for the past couple of years is as like a um refining my voice or finding and refining what, so, what are, are you a Virgo rising? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You already know it. <laughs> I, I love the, the mercurial kind of like analytical, but like on a grander, deeper scale of what a Virgo, is. it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to say anything. I'm going to refine it. I'm going to, you know, tune it to what the energy is of the world. Oh, I love it so much. Um, Cause I'm also a Venus and Gemini. So it's like this I always like to say, we really, I think we identify more with our Venus than with our sun and moon or our rising. Yeah. It's because how we like to feel. It's what makes us feel comfortable. It's what makes us feel safe. Oh, I feel like I just want to jump right in right now. So yes, exactly. (laughs) Venus, Mars, let's talk about it. So my Venus in Gemini, it's like I, my social media is very much like that. My sense of beauty is how much information I know. And not that it's necessarily because it's the opposite of sad. So it doesn't have the bullseye, right? Yeah. So it's like, I just, I have this breadth of information and my social media is just a, a way to play with how to deliver that information, what people respond to the most. And now that I'm starting to take the branding seriously, it's refining that to another level. So yeah. kind of what you have witnessed thus far was really the experimental age. <laughs> I'm so excited to have witnessed that because I mean, truly like watching, um, I I do love it. I love analyzing people's social media because it's, it's such a project, it's a projection of your personality, but it's what Mm -hmm. you really want the world to perceive you as and, and kind of the pure essence of who you are and watching your growth specifically and how your services and what you provide to the greater world have, how it's changed and ebbed and flowed. It's just been, it's been really interesting to see. And I do your aesthetic is like my favorite because I, (laughs) I feel like I try to have Gemini Venus energy, but I do not. I, (laughs) my Capricorn Venus is like, absolutely not Lauren. (laughs) You (laughs) will not be fun and flirty, (laughs) but my Gemini moon's like, that's how I wish I could feel. (laughs) <laughs> so watching it, it's just the, the color choices that you use your verbiage, just the, the collage aspect. It's like almost like witnessing like your mind opening up. And I love it. Mm. I love it. It's very much like the intention. And I always like, like if a guy doesn't follow me back, whatever, even if it's like a casual acquaintance, I never get mad because it's like, my page is not for the male gaze. I'm here no. for the girls, the girls and the gaze. You could say, you know, yeah. like, if you like music, if you like movies, if, if you are a person of faith and I want to use that as broadly as possible, if you like certain aspects of the news, like it very much is that Gemini spectrum, that breadth of knowledge, but it's also like the hardest part. And the thing that I'm really working on now is like keeping it on brand, not just sharing. 
I, I think, you know, I, I don't do it in like, look what I can do. And like this, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to do a hundred tablets to like explain, you know, fascism in Europe in the present day and the history that led it there, you know? They're just like, but dying. it's like, yes, I want to. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because like, it's like, I understand, I can relate to that. And like keeping on brand is so hard for, for Gemini. And I feel like Sag energy, any of the mutable signs truly like keeping it in that path because like life is a tangent, right, man? Like all I want to do is like this, 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 but it's like, okay, oh, yeah. maybe I'll just keep the same color and the same font is that on right <laughs> it's really that's that's a really interesting point too because my you know my best friend Dexter is actually a zero Libra rising oh and it's oh. fascinating the way people respond to him fascinating because he's also an androgene mm. so it's also like truly my joke is if I blink too long somebody would start talking to him you know, <laughs> versus when I said this joke at a wedding, he was like, meanwhile, I go put my coat away. And when I go look for you, you're p- literally petting rose petals. <laughs> <laughs> they just look so pretty. I just needed to touch them and caress them. <laughs> that, that reel of me at the wedding with the roses, yes. that was literally him walking in on me. <laughs> stroking some petals <laughs> hey i'm just so hey i'm over here in the corner just stroking some petals <laughs> because my libra rising went away and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> let me go hang out with the roses <laughs> and I'm all, no that's oh my gosh that's that's reminding me i was just i was talking to I was talking to my husband earlier and he was just like i can't ever i can't ever lose sight of you and i go why and he's like because then i don't know where you end up and then you're lost and you keep moving. You don't stop. And I'm like, yeah, well, why would I wait? You can just find me. Just find me. If not, then I'm off. I'm free. Go <laughs> oh, where the wind gosh. takes me. Go oh. with the wind. Go with the wind. And that's that. <laughs> Part of the reason why I brought up my friend with the zero degrees is we yeah. always joke about everybody wishes they were a Libra. You know, and that's very much like the not aesthetic. Me. Well, that's like in the sense of like, is fonts being on brand like that Libra energy is very much rewarded in society so it's like everybody's trying to I mean you look at Kim Kardashian right I mean Mm -hmm. she has a decent amount of Libra placements and right (laughs) look at that brand and there's an inauthenticity that Libra can get away with that's so uh, without it being false it's like an unground it's like it's like aesthetically pleasingly grounded but energetically not grounded it's like this it's a facade of of having all of your shit together in a beautiful package which Dita Montese is my favorite example of this if you've ever seen her live she's a Libra of course yeah and it's like she literally does very very little on stage she'll walk very slowly pose turn and people go crazy which is why it was able to go so mainstream because she literally does very little and that's huh. very Libra. It's oh, the aesthetic is perfect. The set is perfect. And hmm. she just stands there posing perfectly. So then how, how do you, oh, so my question for your branding is how do you bring in that Libra energy, but with the Virgo Gemini mercurial kind of authenticity with information, like how do you hold space for both? So that is like the question, right? So because I know you are as well, I'm a later degree Virgo, 
my first house is mostly Libra. So a mm-hmm. lot of people do think that I am very Libra, but I'm not <laughs> because do you, like, any, I am, do you have any planets in there or any strong aspects to your first house? In my first rising in yeah. my first house? No, yeah. no, that's how I am too. I, I've never resonated with Libra energy. But, but I, I have my Mars and like Pisces that. in the seventh. Oh, okay. My Mars and 29 Pisces in the seventh. Hmm. So the final degree. I'm like, the final degree I'm, of the I'm, entire I'm imagining zodiac. this yeah. with this with this wheel in my head, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so this final degree <laughs> of the zodiac is my Mars placement. Huh. In Pisces, moving right into Aries. That that kind of that says a lot, honestly. That right there. Yeah. That's a very specific personality trait, it feels like. And so, uh, who else has it? Mars and Pisces, Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor. So it's, I'm like, I'm like I'm trying to think of like keywords or phrases for those beautiful women. It's like go-getters, but like actively wounded all the time. It's like an, it's like, a, but like in a positive way, it's, it's that it's like a living fantasy. Distress. Yeah. It's like a damsel of distress fantasy, but they're the one putting the show on. They're in control. They're also what they differ. They both have Venus and Aries. Also, I don't have that. They both have that Venus and Aries. So that amplifies the vulnerability. I think for them. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, I always, I've been finding, I've been doing more research on, you know, Venus placements just because I've literally been in my Venus return for uh, a thousand years. (laughs) It just ended. Capricorn, yeah. (laughs) Holy gosh. That, that, that Capricorn Venus was so long. I've never had a problem. I've never had a problem with my Venus. You know, it's never been a problem. It's just been there. Hold, I might, I, it made me dive so deep into that planet and the archetypes and just the the deeper meaning of causation of the personal oh. planets and like how they interrelate relate and the the interpersonal um i have always bypassed it probably because you know crazy brain and but sitting in it for so long and sitting in that kind of like value structure and aesthetics and what defines you on the inside and then how does it define you on the outside just that kind of internal struggle and I feel like that's something that people don't really talk about with Venus is that it is a place of um, self-determination you know it's like how, how do you find yourself who are you what are you what do you stand for what are your values <laughs> well to that point I think especially I think Saturn isn't mm-hmm. aligned in this sense which to that point Libra um my mother, who has been studying this for a very long time, um, she like studied it in London in the 70s and stuff like that. But anyway, Ooh. it sounds fancy. <laughs> Maybe it is, you know, um, but uh, she would say she would always tell me that Libra, that Saturn was a, a ruler of Saturn or Saturn was one of the rulers of Libra. And I've never heard anybody else say that, but I think it's very, very true, especially yeah. because Libra is associated with contracts. But the reason why I mentioned that is because I think with Saturn, Capricorn, and Venus energy, it's all about one thing and one thing only, and that's lifestyle. Yes. So this, I, th- I felt this Venus and Capricorn, because Capricorn especially is very much about resources. Mm-hmm. It was really like, where do you want to put your resources? What do you genuinely believe is valuable enough for your time, for your money, for your energy? And it was just like inescapable. And if people, um, 
my, uh, my best friend Dexter, again, yeah. you know, we talk about astrology every day. He was, he kept calling it the house of cards, which again, that Libra, right? Yeah. So the zero degree yeah. Libra is saying like that the house of cards are crumbling down. Well, it's because your structure, your value structure, whatever you have projected in your old self is now crumbling so that you can reform the parts that work. What can be the steady foundation? What can actually be the long lasting qualities and values of that structure that is that truly defines you as who you are, but how you're going to succeed in the world. And it, it's really has been, I think, for the world as the collective for such a personal planet, um, like transit, it has been such a shift for the collective energy of like, what do we value? And then now moving into this kind of, you know, fully moving into the age of Aquarius, if you will. I know the timings mm -hmm. are all different for everyone, but kind of, it really does feel like we're ushering into that new that new structure it's like what are we taking with us from the past and what do we have to truly let go of and I think that's been so hard for everyone especially I mean with with what's going on currently in the world <laughs> it's like this so to that I have a few things to say to yeah. that one you know that I'm obsessed with the new the Batman I do. And I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm so excited. I'm not going to say any spoilers. The only thing I'm going to say is one of the books that it's, uh, one of the comics, there's two comics that it's based on. One is The Long Halloween. Mm -hmm. So it's set in Halloween. You learn that in the first minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other is Year One. Interesting. Now let's really think about that. I don't want to give any spoilers to contextualize how yeah. deep that goes, but just think of... Now, I am personally a big believer in the muses in the sense that I believe Marvel is teaching a global lesson. Mm -hmm. I think Spider-Man was preparing us for certain cosmic revelations. Yes. I do believe that. Um, things like that. I do. Like, I believe certain music kind of, I mean, we even know, like, to bring it to a human level, we know that the Nazis studied you know hypnotherapy very deeply we know fascism has infiltrated entertainment but I also as I always say for every demon there's an angel so as much as the evil yeah. people do it the good people do it too so I um I see the Batman and its association with year one and I always like to say DC is for the horny community <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also say you know I'm going to do a post by this because I just went to Kevin Smith's store and I bought, have you ever seen Dogma? I'm assuming you have. Of course. I mean, I live with basically yeah. Kevin Smith. So yes. <laughs> a Jersey boy too. I know. <laughs> so I went to, um, they have these shirts with Buddy Christ doing like the, yes, yeah. the finger guns. And then underneath it, it says got Christ. <laughs> so I got year one and I got Buddy Christ, but I want to do a post and be like, you know, Batman, that, uh, you know, the Batman is going for the horny community or whatever. Be like, and just because you're a member of the horny community doesn't mean you're not, you know, but if you watch my Lilith series and you watch, yes. you know, what I post about, I talk about the kind of feminine counterpart to mercy, which is a masculine um, discipline in the Kabbalah is judgment, mm. severity, mm. harshness, yeah. vengeance, resentment, fear. And in my second Lilith series, I kind of, it's a little messy, but I try my best to articulate how Star Wars is based off of the Kabbalah and it's most evident in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. yeah. And um, how Darth Vader represents the same placement. 
And Batman is kind of the righteous version of that because just because it's part of the same circle doesn't mean it's providence, you know, providence still applies. Yes. Yes. So what's fascinating about that is I found out that, um, so if you actually, uh, because I don't know if there's spoilers on the soundtrack, I haven't checked, but the last three or four tracks, the Batman, the Riddler, the Catwoman were written before filming. So though, and the Sonata. So those sounds influence the creative process of the actual filming, but the Batman's theme song is inspired by what? Darth Vader. Whoa, look at this. So, <sighs> which is all part of the spiritual feminine discipline of judgment, which is also, I call them the angels of vengeance, mm. which I also say the matrix mm. is about the angels of vengeance. Yes. So year one, all of this, I feel like we're in the period of angels of vengeance, which is also a period of chaos, a period of Lilith, a period of undomesticity, of wildness, and to quote Game of Thrones, you know, thrones, (laughs) chaos is a ladder. Yeah. Based off of the War of the Roses. So I did. (laughs) We love the plantations over here. But something oh. I was going to say earlier, and then I'll let you rant. No, no, <laughs> is, no. I know. I want this is this is the point. I want to hear you talk. Right. <laughs> you know, I wrote in my um, well, the title of my Pisces season newsletter, and I write a newsletter one to three times a month. Hopefully, yeah. sometimes I'm not always perfect, but that's okay. <laughs> my Pisces season title is "Beware of Rumpelstiltskin," mm-hmm. and part of that is. Well, one, I just started getting into Grimes and I feel like Grimes and Elon Musk is very much a Rumpelstiltskin scenario. The madness in that couple is so intriguing and terrifying to me. I mean, I genuinely think she's a genius. No, yeah. And I think he, I don't think she's smarter than him. Oh, I don't think he's that. I I don't, I don't, don't even get me started. Let's not, let's not, let's not. Grimes, I think, yes. is very, very smart, though. Let's I just do. focus on Grimes. Yes. Grimes is yes. very, very smart and very, very talented. Yes. And I mean, getting into her at that point, but my, my larger point being is I wrote about how I believe like Pisces is the symbol, like the symbolism coming into reality in an extreme mm. way. Oh, I love that for 12th house energy, the symbolism come. Yes. And especially with this sun Neptune conjunction, that is just, it's like the veil is being lifted. Alignment is actually transforming into tangible reality. It's mm-hmm. like the birth of the birth of the perfection of an ego. It's like, it's like higher mm-hmm. level ego birth. That's yes. oh, mm, And I love that. So circling back to, um, your exploration of the muses and belief in Mm. muses i i've i have always been a um a lover of the muses i've been uh it's ever since that stupid tiktok has been going around about (laughs) i actually don't have tiktok okay yeah well i downloaded it and now i I don't (laughs) don't download it okay just stop like this is a psa just don't do it you get lost in that wormhole and it's just i don't even know anymore no but ever since that julia fox like that um that like that uncut gems Yes, I have been sitting there. I'm like, why did she steal my line? I, I literally walk up to people all the time after I've given them creative ideas to do. And I'm like, I'm your muse now. 
But it's one of those things that has been, that's just a personal tangent of BS, but I, um, I love the idea of, of channelers and people of the earthly plane connecting with the muses through arts, but through just everyday life, through, through, through earthly experiences of connecting with the different muses to bring in the cosmic energy that is here to align us and to, you know, raise our vibrations or evolution, whatever your word structure is about us leveling up, um, is just, it's something that I forgot that people don't resonate with as much anymore. And you see it so beautifully in movies and music. You see it. Well, I was thinking when you were talking of Salma Hayek and Dogma. Yes. Where she plays the muse, but she has been kind of reduced to, and I don't want to, to a stripper, but I don't want to say sex worker is a reduction, but like, it was like she was inspiring through, in, there's two things going on now, right? There's one, there's the earthly incarnation of people that inspire other people. Mm-hmm. And then there's the concept of like the, well, the term genius literally refers to this idea of an individual having special communion with the spirit. Yes. yes. So, and it's actually, <laughs> I had this conversation with this man and this man is very like, um, non-religious and like, he's very smart, but not educated. He'll just say things and be like, you have no idea how smart that thing you just said was. <laughs> so I was explaining to him, cause I'm Lutheran, evangelical Lutheran of America. Um, so I was explaining to him what grace is because grace is kind of the cornerstone of our theology of Christian and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, <laughs> you know, you know, my intelligence or your, you know, talent, you know, those are gifts. Like, of course we cultivate them and we work on them, but they're gifts that are outside of our control. And this man goes, yeah, but that's a consciousness. Who's Grace as a man? consciousness. It's actually the Holy spirit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but that's, I, Cause he was like, but I just want to know where the consciousness comes from. I was like, can we just go back a second? <laughs> Can we just appreciate what you like just fucking I feel like apologize I, for my cursing? But no, like, no, no, it's okay. Divinely inspired verbiage coming through a muse to have a conversation with you. <laughs> so to see it as like, you know, conversation with the spirit, but rather this access to consciousness mm-hmm. and grace, as well as certain incarnated muses and things of that nature. Um it's really just people that have access to a consciousness and people that become devotees or what may have you or fans or supporters or patrons or people that just want access to that consciousness or to learn from that consciousness. And other people are these vessels of, you know, and there's different aspects that. of that. It's interesting because truly what you're, what happened in that conversation is just a language shift, right? So Mm -hmm. the the meaning is still there. The foundation is still there, but shifting and um, the language changes, changes the spell, changes the magic, right? It it, It also gives, oh, no, no, you, no, you go. It gives me an opportunity now to articulate a high theory concept that's, that a layman can understand. It's, it's more accessible. And when mm-hmm. things, there's something that's, um, I've always found this intriguing, the more accessible languages, the act, it actually becomes more higher intelligence. 
if that makes sense. So if it's easier to 100%. communicate, then you are able to tap into a higher level of, of divination, of, of connection, of just understanding and learning. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a real big shift in the collective spiritual worlds in whatever modality you use, whatever your faith structure is, it's the languages are starting to meld back together. That's something that I've noticed from people that I know who are um, more spiritually attuned Christians and people who are over here being light workers and people over here who are practicing witches. And it's like everyone's language, it's not coming together to conform and it's not almost a colonization you know, in that conformity, it's more of a, a reshaping of what is being divinely inspired. It's a collective, um, almost like a collective relearning. That's how it's been feeling, which I'm excited about. <laughs> so to me, I feel like you just defined in a way what sacred symbolism is, mm. which when I was in college, I took actually a sacred symbolism course from the educational director of the Rubin Museum Ooh, in Chelsea. Like, have you ever been there? I have been there. It is a gorgeous museum. So it actually used to be a... Um, I love how it's submerged when you come... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it used to be a, uh, a, a department store. That's why it shapes the way that it is. And the reason... So it's a museum devoted to East... Uh, I want to say mostly Southeast Asian religious art. Yes. And um, the actual space that holds the art is shaped like a mandala, meaning that it's a spiral into center and then the floor planning is a square. And the owner saw that and goes, yep, I'm taking this. And that's the Rubin Museum. So I took a sacred symbolism class there. Um, this is audio, so you can't see. I have sacred symbols tattooed on my um, wrists and on my fingers. But also what was making, um, what you were saying was reminding me of another class I took called anthropological, Linguistic anthropology, <laughs> which is very difficult because I did not have any background prepared and it's two very difficult courses. I'm not a huge fan of anthropology. That's not for me. But linguistics was something that I think about still to this day on a regular basis. It is supremely important. And I always try to think about it with my word choices, mm -hmm. like what word choice in this moment is going to linguistically be most in line with my point and my message and not just what is my typical you know adjective that I would go to yeah. I love like defining words while I'm using even if I'm just texting a friend I'll be like let me just double check what this word means because I use it so often have I forgotten what it really means well and that's the thing with with the adaptation of language um mm -hmm. things shift and change to whatever the cultural because you know it's a cultural evolution language of whatever mm -hmm. the cultural like zeitgeist is and sometimes that doesn't align with the root word and and if you really look back at at language and communication you know it is our earliest form of 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 spiritual connection right so root words and structures and and what the what the meaning is i mean that's that's where the power of words live so it, you know when you're and that's also like a hypnosis and life coaching all of these like manifestation courses everyone always says choose your words wisely right because that's what you're going to set into motion that's what your that's your intention so yeah no i um i love i just watched a, a random man on youtube talking about the <laughs> the Indo, the, oh gosh, what is, is it Indo-Latin um, Latin, uh, tree of linguistics that came up and shifted and then it shifted into all these other languages. And 
I just find, I find root words to be very interesting. Sorry, that was my- No, I find uh, etymology very interesting. Yes. When I was in college, I remember like somebody saying that they were majoring in that and I didn't understand. It took me a few years to wonder why someone would be that passionate to major in that. And now I'm like, so many secrets of the universe are hidden within the language yeah. itself. Well, it's but there's a, two aspects to that. If you want to finish your oh, point. No, 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 no. I was just going to say it's, it's a mapping of cultural evolution, which I find to be fascinating. Um, but no. So there's uh, the first one, the shorter one I'll start with. Um, the Druids, act, we know very little about the Druids. Mm -hmm. There's two things that we know for sure, for sure, that they believed in reincarnation. Yep. And that it was forbidden to write uh, their practices, their lessons, their theology, mythology. It was forbidden to write all of it down. Meanwhile, Kabbalah, which then Judaism and Christianity, it is so, so hyper-focused on the written word. Mm -hmm. One of the first lessons in Kabbalah is to understand that there is the black space and the white space, meaning the written word and the space between the words, which... If we go into the pillars of Kabbalah, mm. highest masculine principle is wisdom. And the highest feminine principle is understanding, which that could be the white being the feminine and the black being the masculine. Mm -hmm. And just because you are wise doesn't make you understanding. You, know, you can read statistics of famine, right? Yep. In another country, but that doesn't mean you understand the conditions and what has to be done on a you know, king level. Yes. Those are two different principles. So that's very much like, if we compare that to Druidry, it's like the most spiritual lessons language can ever teach you, only experience can, mm. you know? Mm. And that's why they focus so much on reincarnation because it's like all of the valuable lessons you can remember. And there yeah, was such this yeah. emphasis on, on remembrance past lives. Now, even like I'm, my mother's Irish. Yeah. So like I follow a lot, I follow like the Irish Times and Irish news and stuff. And I remember a while ago that somebody in the comments was complaining, like Irish people need to stop thinking, we'll just magically remember the ancient language. And it's like, <laughs> I was thinking about my Druid studies when I heard that and it's like this ancestral, like thing was like, we can just remember. We'll just remember the ancient ways. And it's like, yeah. Does anybody even like reckon, like know that the Druids believe that when they're saying that? It's just like so culturally ingrained of this, like one day Eden will come again. Eden being ancient times. Yeah. Which a lot of people have that. A lot of people have this like, there's no history to support this, that this idea of ancient times was Eden. That there was this peaceful existence between humans where we lived in harmony and like, to go to Grimes again, again, I literally, when I got my hair done is when I got into her. When I go to Grimes. <laughs> but she, I'm going to try to, I'm going to add Aries her on Instagram for this. <laughs> see if she listens. <laughs> Number one fan club. <laughs> but she was talking in an article. She was like, I, um, in an interview, like, I think utopia is important. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, she's big in the sci-fi world and she's like yeah. dystopian is everywhere. Dystopian is mainstream talking about the muses and fascism. Dystopia is absolutely what permeates our consciousness right now. Yes. There it, isn't yeah. a lot of utopian inspiration. And I found that very like moving. 
It's yeah, it's it's I heard this just a few hours ago. So like I don't yeah. even have a conclusion because I'm just that moved where it's just like, yeah, well, we need to inspire utopia. It's inspirational because I mean thought thought is creation, right? Words are creation. Absolutely. Yeah. If you think it, it will happen. If you speak it, it will it will come to be. And if you hold space for negativity or a lifestyle, like just thinking about living in a capitalist structure, dystopian life, which is which is us millennials, mm-hmm. we have Absolutely. been ingrained to have this very specific uh, mindset and that is the world that is. So bringing into consciousness, having utopian dreams, it's, it is not delusional. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's a, a form of creation, right? So if you can't be in the receptive positive, <laughs> you know, not, <laughs> um, then, then what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> Which to the point that you just made, I always think about like how people would be like, my descendants will eat like kings and the obesity Mm. epidemic, Mm. global warming. And people always like, I wish it was warm all the time. And I don't want, you know, before before (laughs) I go down that road, I'll just like bed knobs and broomsticks is based off of a real story about a group, uh, a prayer group that uh, prayed to protect England from uh, the yeah, I tried doing it recently, but it's scrubbed off of the internet, like stuff like that. And even things like um, I, we actually, I Odin's just literally watched Ford that movie Victory with and my stuff kid like that. It's been scrubbed and, off the internet, and it is it still holds. It, it says my it, internet is unstable, just by the way. So if it okay. goes out, but sometimes okay, you're, it you're, just does that. It should no, it's okay. Um, you were a little cr- crunchy, but it's fine. Most of the time, sometimes when it's grungy on the recording, it's fine. Oh, is it better now? You're better. Yeah, you're better now. Okay. Yeah. yeah there you go. It switched to my lower. You're I don't. Low. I don't yeah. know why it's cheaper for me to have two. Uh, it's <laughs> no, they're all. They're all like that now. They have two, and one is. Oh God, it's, it's, I was. It, it was explained to me. I was mansplained <laughs> about it, and it makes sense. I didn't need to know, but in this situation, everyone has it. <laughs> And um, usually if you're closer to your Wi-Fi box, just pick the 5G. That's what I was told. <laughs> I live in a 300 square foot apartment. No, I'm always close to my Wi-Fi box. I know. I, I, re- I remember those days. So sometimes <laughs> well, I <miss> them. <laughs> Well, that's why I, because I lived in Hoboken before this. So I wasn't in a rush, you know, yeah. like I was close enough that I was going to wait until I found the right apartment. Yeah. I had to wait a year and I had to wait a year because I wanted a bathtub, pet friendly interview. There you go. And you found it. Mm-hmm. it some, sometimes patience, it's patience. And that, that goes back to the utopian thing. Patience. <laughs> when we, we... <laughs> mid issues real quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, um, I don't know where I want to go with this, but I, I, one, I just love our conversation. Talking about Ben knobs and broomsticks. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. One great movie. Two. Yes. Angela Lansbury was a witch in real life. <laughs> I believe it. And I will just stand by my word. I will stay up there with it. Um, no, but the, the idea of mass prayer community mm-hmm. circles in like, you know, when people say thoughts and prayers, yes, it's annoying on Facebook. If you're not actively <laughs> thinking and praying, right? <laughs> but the idea, the sentiment, is something that I, I think has been lost in modern um, society. And you know, it, 
I've never been a person like I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, how do I say this in a kind way? I'm not into organized religion. I'm fascinated mm -hmm. by it, but the idea of um, a larger structure organization, my Aquarius Mars, it's a little, little too much for me, but I love the idea of holding community space and holding prayer and um, or higher vibrational energy in a contained space. So the idea of churches and synagogues and mosques and, and holy spaces, you know, Stonehenge, just like standing in circle, standing in gathering with the same mindset and, um, and, and true foresight of what the projected future is going to be is, is so um, key, I think, in the human, in, in just human planning, like in our plan structure, we create our plan, right? Um, and I think that's truly what the, like, this is my own personal take, but what church is supposed to be, what community gathering is supposed to be, right? And, and it's, um, I wonder, I, I hope it's going back that way with the rising of people coming into circles like this, like having dialogue and holding space together, um, instead of fear mongering. I don't know. That was just so I'll just give a little background yeah. to my yeah. um, specific denomination. So the found, so we're called Lutheran because we follow the theology of Martin Luther, yes. which he does not like that uh, phrasing. And it was actually initially a derogatory term, Interesting. but what may have you. Yeah. yeah. Because we're, we're followers of Christ, not of Luther. Right. Because but he, it's just mm -hmm. uh, to clarify different because so in European Protestantism, it traditionally is um, a Calvinist or Lutheran perspective outside of Quakerism. Quaker is a separate thing. Um, so Lutheran, uh, Martin Luther was a monk. He was an Augustine monk and he personally being on the inside had keen insight into how the church was corrupt. And on Halloween, 500 years ago, 503 years ago, I think, to be precise, or maybe four, whatever, he um, mailed 95 theses or essays onto the church wall, which were very thought out, very academic criticisms of the way the church was run based off of biblical, you know, back, um, background. Mm -hmm. And he refused to, like, recant them, so it started a war. Now, because of his insider information, there's all of these rules set in place to my, in my church to protect it from corruption. Hmm. Things had to get compromised because of confronting with actual statehoods in yeah. Europe and stuff like that. But I say all of this because one of the most important structural um, dynamics of Lutheranism um, is we get to vote our pastor in and out. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So um, the pastor at my church now, maybe a year before COVID, we voted him in. It took over two years to find the perfect candidate for a church. And you can take as much time as you want. And then the church has to vote on it. Wow. And if the majority of the church does not like him, then they vote him out. Or, or they, they don't vote him in at all. And they keep searching. Mm -hmm. Now you can say, well, can you actually vote them out? And I will say my family actually did vote a, get a pastor removed from a church before. <laughs> so I will say maybe this, this was, I'll say maybe the 1950s. I can't remember exactly what year it was, mm -hmm. but my great grandfather, 
um, one of his kids, and I want to say, I think it might've been one of his bastard children. He had one children married out of wedlock, but he took responsibility for the child. He raised the child, whatever. So anyway, one of his children, um, had terminal cancer. And when it got really bad, she, um, ended her life herself and the pastor would not, um, perform funeral rites for her. So the church voted him out because everybody thought that was inappropriate and inhumane and unchristian to do that. And we're talking the 1950s and 1940s. Wow. Like this was a long time ago. Yeah. So that was something where suicide was something still very controversial, even in that circumstance. And the church voted him out. And that's, that's so, such power to a congregation, right? So, I mean, yeah. that right there shows that when a voice and thought in, in a collective um, you know, I mean, this is the foundation principles of, of what democracy is, right? Like when, right. when the collective, when the majority of the collective um, shares a voice, that's how the change is made. Um, but how they were all holding space in a, in, with compassion, right? right. And so the voting out was, was a move of empathy um, to, and yeah, and to hold space. It's, that's really beautiful. Um, and you don't, I mean, there's probably, you. this probably happens a lot in churches, right? But, you know, this is not what, you know, is um, like, I, I never, I would have never known that. And so thank you for sharing. That's really, uh, that gives a nice perspective on how community and specifically community that is, um, that worships and holds space for Christ can also be, um, I mean, one, it is, it's a religion of compassion, right? That's, that's the point. <laughs> right. Like my pastor is a married gay man. Yeah. Um, we have women that can be pastors. We officially have a trans woman that's a pastor. You know, there's apps, you know, people can debate it, but it's not logic. You, you know, people, be, well, people don't realize that the reason why Catholic priests don't, aren't married and have children has absolutely nothing to do with theology. It has to do with the fact that the Vatican was getting fed up with priests giving their children uh, Vatican property. So it was exclusively about uh, preserving church property. That's why Catholic priests can't get married and have children, period, period. You can Google it. It's, it's news, but when I say that most people don't know this, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I, heard that. Like, I knew it had, I knew it wasn't in the Bible. Like I knew it yeah. wasn't like a tenant in, in, in Christianity. Um, but I didn't know that. And that's, that's actually, that's fascinating and really shows what the, um, the root goal is of specific organized religions or Mm -hmm. organized churches and and groupings is that it has nothing to do with, um, the betterment of the people. It's all about money, power, greed. Um, so that doesn't, it's not a whole, it doesn't, it's not a blanket statement, you know, it's, it's correct. So it's really is about, it should be about community, right? So for Martin Luther, the final straw was the way, so at the time, the Bible itself wasn't accessible to the common man. It was only in the original languages. Mm -hmm. So you had to be highly educated to be able to read it. Um, So the final straw was that they invented purgatory. They invented the need to buy um, indulgences to redeem yourself or what may have you. And he, Martin Luther, got so fed up at the church taking advantage of poor people in desperate situations, hoping, and then he goes to Rome Mm -hmm. and sees, oh, this is all so this fancy thing can get built. And then he goes, and from the pulpit, they're lying to the people 
So what does he do? He completely translates the entire Bible in common German. He was the first person to ever do that, to translate the Bible into the common tongue. So there's, you know, in Lutheranism, the cornerstone is also to contextualize the Bible in a historical social context. Mm. So the fact that the Bible, the fact that I can talk to Christians and they don't know what second temple period means is a huge problem. Every single Christian should know what second temple history is, but they don't because why it's too powerful. It's too political. Then the mission, the mission of Jesus, the gospels becomes very clearly a manifesto of sorts because it's directly a complete criticism of the organized religion of the second temple. I feel like I could go, we could go deep. Yeah. So we're not going to because we'll be here forever. But yeah. this is why I want to. But I hope it's like everybody, let's go research Second Temple. Yeah, no, research it. Discover Which I have, I have, a re- I have, I have research uh, points for you guys. There is a show, The Naked Archaeologist. It's on oh, YouTube. Yeah, I love that guy. Simka Yakovovich. I, yeah. I was going <laughs> to, he also has a book that proves Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married. He also has a book that proves I mean, that there was a family it make, tomb. It makes no sense that they weren't married. Like, and it's all of his content is on Amazon. He also um, accurately dates the Exodus, you know, oh. the parting of the Red Sea, but also offers scientific explanation of what those things are, which was that we were about 200 years off and all of the plagues were the result of Vesuvius explosion and proves through science as well as archaeology, not only where the slaves lived, but how the parting of the seas could have happened because mm. they were in more of a swamp territory. So when the explosion happened, weird, obviously things happened to the earth. So the water dried up so they can easily leave the swamp area, period. And they go to the location in the documentary. You can see it. It's all very, and James Cameron is one of the producers. I just want to say. No, it's one of those things that like when you tie in, like when you find a, um, a collective church religion that also benefits and honors science and facts and information and and you know and does their due diligence to make sure that they are correct facts you know (laughs) um but it it is a nice it's refreshing it's refreshing to you um to be reminded of that in times of um polarization because that's another thing right now we are in such a polarized state right like you know, my polarized mind from what my liberal television program has been programming in me <laughs> is that anyone who believes in Jesus is wrong. <laughs> right. And then on the other side, it's anyone who doesn't, you know, and it's a, uh, it's nice to see that interconnecting web of both of that is wrong. <laughs> and there's way too right. much gray area that is, that is a beautiful mix of magical sparkle um, that is actual truth. Uh, but I actually just pulled up Martin Luther's birth chart because I was like, I'm so <laughs> I actually don't know if I ever did that. Um, he is- I a, know his wife is an Aquarian. So he's a Scorpio sun, 27th degree, uh, <laughs> a Aries moon, 11 degrees, and he's a Leo rising, 24 degrees. I mean, if that, I mean, if that big three doesn't say at all on why someone would write something down out of spite and nail it on their ex's door, <laughs> screw you, I'm going to take all your money. 
<laughs> but also because they're so mad at other people being taken advantage of. Yes. Oh yeah. It's not about them. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a greater anger. It's like, it's that fire yeah. energy. It's like, I'm going to burn it to the fucking grounds. That's it. But for if you you're making innocent people cry, you deserve yeah. war. <laughs> <laughs> and then his wife being an Aquarian who is a nun that he rescued from the nunnery. Oh. And they weren't sure if they were going to get married or not because they were like we have to check the theology to make sure if this is like a logical thing yeah and she was like no I'm gonna marry Martin Luther <laughs> and they're like oh we don't know and they're like no I'm gonna marry him I'm gonna marry him <laughs> yeah he has a lot of like most of his placements are he's like third he has like a third house and a fourth house stellium which is mm. also interesting uh some some I feel like daddy communication and community yeah communication community and family truly creating that structure taking you know probably that probably has more to do with him creating his own family you know right and also um we can do a whole nother thing but the <laughs> uh his wife had a huge role in the start of it also so allowing her to have this allowing women to have a voice and have a space not just liberating the monasteries but also liberating the nunneries that's a perspective not all men would have especially 500 years ago yeah, and it, there's a nice um, there's a nice uh, mirroring of of Jesus and Mary Magdalene in that story. So first, they have a daughter named Mary Magdalene, also. Do they? And also, it's very similar because these these things are also archetypes that exist with the muses, but these stories also play out in real life at the same time. Another great one is Robert the Bruce, um, yeah. his show on Netflix, the movie on Netflix, mm -hmm. that also has the same similar. Uh, context, but they adjust certain details where, um, as you know, I'm descended from Robert Bruce. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I do know that. I do know that. I, do, I love that so much. I love that for you. <laughs> but um, so, you know, a woman, uh, Knights of Miss King. Mm -hmm. So, context that's missing in that is. Um, I don't know if it's said directly, but the reason why that is because the stone of, of kingship was taken by the English. Mm. So the English have it. And, uh, you know, Queen Elizabeth stood on the, you know, the rock as well. Yep. But there was a second traditional way of anointing for kinship, and that was being anointed by a certain clan. Mm. The woman was from the clan whose husband was pro-English, so her husband was away so she could sneak over. She was the one that was imprisoned in the castle. Oh. So she, the, the priestess in the window mm -hmm. is a um, literary motif that is abundant in the Bible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Simca, the naked archaeologist, argues that Mary Magdalene represents that. Yeah. Um, Jezebel is another. So there's even the argument that uh, Mary Magdalene is almost the redemption of Jezebel mm. in one sense, mm -hmm. as well as um, uh, Queen of Sheba. Yeah. Yeah. And even some comics, the reference that Jesus says that the queen of Sheba will be the judge will be the judgment, which again goes back to the Kabbalah, which if he's referencing himself as king of Solomon, then he's referencing his wife as the queen of Sheba, which is also interesting because in the section that that is referenced is the Beelzebub comment. Yes. Yep. Now, Simca also makes the um, argument that etymology it's not actually fly it's actually just the bzz, which could be a fly or it could be what a bee as in the priestess of artemis 
So they were accusing him in that moment of being kind of a lapdog for the priestess of Artemis, the Lord of the bees. And he was saying, I am not the Lord of the bees. <laughs> she has, you know, she is now my wife yeah. and she wants to judge you. Oh, so many thoughts. So many thoughts. <laughs> one, the imagery I had of, mm -hmm. of the Queen of Sheba sitting in judgment, but mm -hmm. it was, I wish I could project that to the world, <laughs> um, what I just saw. But the one, I love that you mentioned Artemis because that's literally why this podcast is happening. Um, and two, I just, I find it to be, um, I don't know. I, it, I don't know what the word would be. This is where now my brain's going to get like, what is the word I want to use? Um, to me, the structure of, oh, very similar in my brain. I had a feeling because in the lost gospel that they found that was miscatalogued as Jewish when it's a secret Christian text. This is the visual that Mary Magdalene kind of embodies when she kind of in her bedroom, in her priestess chamber, gets a visual of Jesus coming to her and purifying her to be prepared to be his wife. Where bees encircle her and instead of having a communion wafer, it's a bees- uh, Like a honeycomb. Honeycomb. So technically the sacrament during marriage should be a honeycomb and not honeycomb. a wafer. Mm -hmm. Mm. So for those that cannot see, what yeah, I was showing her was <laughs> in the Lost Gospel, which is done by Simcha Yakubovich, C-I-M-C-H-A, Jacob, O-V-I-C-I, and Barry Wilson, the Lost Gospel. And it's, they were doing research for one of his shows, and they were at the British Library or the British Museum, whichever, mm -hmm. and in a collection labeled as Jewish, Simcha being a devout Jew and an academic and an archaeologist quickly identified that this could not be Jewish. Yeah. Um, and then they went on an ex, uh, an ex, um, ex journey to decode okay. the text, but they were also still filming another um, program. So as soon as they discovered this, they happened to go to um, Turkey. Mm -hmm. I might be miss. I might be um, confusing statues, but I let's just go with Turkey okay. to view a statue of Artemis. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a very famous statue of Artemis. A lot of people don't know what it is. Is it more breasts on her, like a dozen, you know, a hundred breasts on her body for her people to suckle? Yeah. Is it the, you know, castrated balls of bulls, you know? But because they read this text, which includes the bee symbolism in great detail as well um as well as being able to go up close in an academic context they could tell that it was like um bee cones things i forget the context but it was like the queen bee hive or something not like a mm -hmm. sack or whatever um so if you see that famous images of those goddess with those little sacks attached to them almost looking like water um balloons yeah it's actually their their uh their thesis is that it's representative of bees not bulls or breasts which is their theory it's not a universal opinion 
but I'm going to go ahead with it. I like, but the, 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 the symbolism, like the archetype of bees, right. And especially mm-hmm. the queen bee makes the most it makes the most logical sense for, for Mary Magdalene for, and, oh, for and, Artemis. Well, and, but Mary Magdalene as well. So if you as the priestess of Artemis, that, of that, of that, um, all encompassing triple goddess energy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's that all encompassing divine feminine energy. It's the, um, this yeah, is the statue literally like they were on oh, their way to I see the statue. Well, yeah, because it looks like how honeycombs it. would be in, it, if you take away the actual physical structure of the honeycomb, that would be the sacks. Of- yeah, I think that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a, you knew what it was called more than I would. So you, that's exactly what they called it. Yeah. So they were emphasizing it wasn't bull sacks, but it was bee sacks. But yeah, from because, a distance, they were saying it's harder to tell, but because they had that academic privilege, it was really if, able if to go If you go up. back to Greek mythology and, and what and how honey and in the, in mm-hmm. the Greek, the Greek, like Greco-Roman era, honey is representative of it, its life. It is divine life. It is nutrition. It is its sustenance on a higher level. It's, it's complete and total. So when you put that symbolism with divine feminine, <laughs> I mean, imagine toxic male energy going, oh gosh, <laughs> we got to get this out of here. <laughs> I mean, it, show, it shows the completion of partnership of, of the two pillars of divine and mass, uh, divine feminine and divine masculine and how the balance is necessary. Um, Do you want with, me to read the paragraph? Yeah, I would love to. I would love that. Okay. So the man is a vision in her bedchamber of Jesus and keep in mind that this my interpretation of the text is almost like an explanation of marriage as a sacrament which is very controversial as a sacrament Mm -hmm. whether it's a mandatory sacrament or a um, grace let's or what may have you okay so this is let's say chapter 16 Um, it's the middle anyway let's go the man said to her Bring me also a honeycomb. I'm going to, there's, it's in code. So I'm just going to use Mary Magdalene's name, but it's not Mary Magdalene in the code, but to explain the code is going to be too much time. (laughs) (laughs) Lord said to her, bring me also a honeycomb. Mary Magdalene answered, Lord, let me send to my estate and I shall bring you a honeycomb. But the man said to her, go into your chamber and you will find a honeycomb. Mary Magdalene entered her chamber, her inner chamber and found a large honeycomb full of honey. It was as white as snow and was lying on a table. Its honey was like small drops of dew from heaven. And it smelled like a pleasant smell of the spirit of life. Mm. Mary Magdalene wondered and said in her heart, how did this honeycomb come from this man's mouth? Its smell is like a pleasant smell of his mouth. Mary Magdalene took the honeycomb and brought it to the man. She put it on the table set up in front of him. The man said to her, how is it that you said the honeycomb is not in my bedchamber? Behold, you have brought a wonderful honeycomb. Mary Magdalene was afraid and said, Lord, there was never a honeycomb in my inner chamber, but you spoke and it happened. Mm. You spoke and it happened. Mm. And it came from your mouth and it smelled like the smell of your mouth. The man rejoiced at the understanding of Mary Magdalene. And he called her to him. 
He stretched out his right hand and drew her head near. Mary Magdalene was afraid because sparks of fire were coming out of his hand, like from inflamed iron. The man rejoiced to see her afraid. And he said, blessed are you, Mary Magdalene, for the secrets of the Lord have been revealed to you. Blessed are those who attach themselves to the Lord most high in penitence because from this honeycomb, they will eat and live forever because this is the spirit of life for it was made by the swarms of bees from the paradise of the living God of Eden from the dew of the rose of life in paradise from which the angels of God eat and from which all the elect of God and the sons of the most high eat for this is the honeycomb of life and those who eat from it will not die but live forever one more paragraph the man stretched out his right hand and took a little piece from the honeycomb and ate then he rest the rest he put in Mary Magdalene's mouth the man said to Mary Magdalene, so now you have eaten the bread of life and drunk the cup of life and have been anointed with the anointment of incorruptibility. From today and the time forward, your flesh will spring up blossoms of life from the ground of the most high and your bones will grow strong again like the cedars of paradise. Unwavering strength will strengthen you and your youth will remain forever and not sealed age and your beauty will not fail forever. You will be a mother of cities Magdalene means tower, one with a strong city wall, with whom they will take a refuge in the name of the Lord and King of all ages. I just want to read the what happens after this. Okay, here we go. And the man said, um, said to said to the honeycomb, "Come and see at once the great swarms of bees from the cells of the honeycomb." And the cells were innumerable, a great multitude. And from all the house, they appeared and were alive, a multitude of multitudes, a thousand thousands of bees, white as snow and their wings like color of purple and jacinth and scarlet and fine white linen spun in gold. A crown of gold was on each of their heads. Their stings were sharp, though they were injuring no one. They circled around and seized Mary Magdalene and clung to her. From her feet to her head, bees were chosen, great bees like queen bees. They came from the fragments, which the man had broken off from the honeycomb. They took hold of Mary Magdalene's face and her lips, made an image of the honeycomb set before the man and was full of very much honey. It was full of very much honey, yeah. They all gathered and ate from the honey and the honeycomb on Mary Magdalene's mouth. And the man said to those bees, go to your place, the multitude of them rose and flew and went towards heaven. Those who wished to injure Mary Magdalene fell to the ground and died. And the man stretched out the scepter in his hand to the dead bees and said to them, rise you also and go to your place in the courtyard near Mary Magdalene's tower. Settle on and remain on the fruit trees. Hmm. So that's like her transformation into a holy woman through the kind of are what we would identify as Holy Communion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but leveling it up through like Mary Magdalene having a special initiation that was different from the disciples initiation at the last supper. Yeah, I mean, how I would say, like hearing that from a, a perspective of 
of what I know now of spiritual initiations and practices mm-hmm. and, 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 and the rituals that go into, um, it, it almost feels very indigenous in, in, in a, in their culture, like very specific grounded, um, ritual practice versus, um, being anointed by another human being. This was earth this was heaven, this was sky, this was the elements of nature, like mother, like Gaia, mother earth was uh, anointing her with, with the heavenly presence of God. So the argument can be made that this gospel is actually older than all of the ones canonized. I mean, it, you would, from the, the language that is used, it's, I mean, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able, other than the name changes, it would be very similar to how I would see like a, like a pagan ritual. Right. And then a lot of the, um, which is why when he was reading, he was like, this isn't Jewish. Yeah. There's no no way this could be Jewish. No, because the rituals were so already so ingrained at that point that. Now there's a letter associated with this gospel. So this is a, I have a essay about this on my blog that I have neglected. Um, what people but do. <laughs> the, um, the Catholic church as we know it today wasn't formed until about 200 years after yeah. Jesus died. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of different small denominations, much as it is today. Mm-hmm. that existed. And a lot of them were known for quote unquote, weird sexual practices. Mm-hmm. You know, Simcoe makes the argument that some of that just included like having sex with your wife when she has a period mm-hmm. that alone classifies as a weird sexual practice, mm-hmm. according to traditional kosher law. And that, that in itself has to do with the last supper also, by the way. Mm-hmm. So then mirroring that not only is the actual last supper also about female empowerment that the wife of Jesus is elevated to the status of queen bee. And that in the canonized gospel, he was basically being accused of being a cook, essentially like you're the priestess's little boy toy. And Mm -hmm. she was like, like, you think I would marry a woman who wouldn't respect my like traditional authority, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean that in an abusive way. You know, a lot of people, when they hear traditional marriage, they hear of like something negative. No, you know, but like, you know I mean, in, in a pure sense, a traditional marriage is respect from both parties. It's really what a Which is this really gorgeous imagery in this. And there's actually, so there's the letter I didn't go in. So the letter talks about how this is an extremely dangerous text, that it's dangerous to possess it. It's dangerous to translate it. It's dangerous to talk about it. And even part of the text is deep, is damaged. And even with the survive, there's only a handful of surviving ones and all of them have huge chunks missing. Mm. So it's extreme, like even the story that exists still, it's still not complete and it doesn't make full sense. The only thing that makes sense is like the bedchamber honeycomb scene. Everything else is incomplete. But one of the earliest parts of that to talk about like the erotica of traditional marriage. And I always say like, part of fascism is breeding without passion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, it's dehumanizing. Also like the hand, the handmaiden tale yep. also like Grimes, the second child, but let's skip that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, beware of Rumpelstiltskin. Um, 
<laughs> it's ter- yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. But there, there's this image of when she, a big part of the story is Mary Magdalene as the priestess mm-hmm. having to humble herself to be, you know, I don't say a servant to her husband, but respecting her husband as a, as a capable man. Yeah, as a partner. Being, you know, a powerful woman in her own right and a smart woman in her own right. She has never met a man that she saw was an equal. So when people would tell her about Jesus, she was like, yeah, 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 whatever. So the whole thing is when she actually meets him, she was like, oh my goodness. And she runs up to him and is like presenting herself like I am, people wanted me to meet you. And he places his hands on her chest Mm. and was like, you need to... I'm not going to date a pagan, essentially, he says. But like that high erotica, yet that um, wholesomeness of pushing her away with his hand on her chest. Mm. You know, it's not violating. It's not, um, there's something warm about it also. It's an, it's an embracing uh, boundary. It's like, a, it's like embracing a boundary, like here. Until but you- it's not the Jesus of Paul. No no yeah this is the older text well i mean if if we just think about any of the <laughs> gospels from our brains have not changed and oh, i forget what scientist husband told me like three hundred thousand years our brains have not <laughs> like our brains have been the same for an insanely long time so whatever we're thinking just change the context a little bit they were thinking the thought processes feelings life was not that different (laughs) you know just just the environment so if you're thinking that this man was you know shunning women and above but holier that like that is that that's not that's not reality (laughs) and we are and it's the antithesis of the message you know my favorite story in the bible is the jesus and the married woman at the well do you know this story Nick Cave has a song about it. <laughs> I love the song. I, I, you know what? I don't know if I know this one. I mean, I might. It, it might. It might trigger some CCD in my in my mind. My, <laughs> well, you will appreciate this, but it goes right into your point. Where so the well is one a very feminine place, right? Mm-hmm. It's Perceptive. one of the few places. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. women tend to be the ones that go to the well in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. hashtag Aquarius energy. Yes. But it's one of the few places where the sexes at this place and time could um, respectfully engage with each other. It's the water cooler. It's the ancient water Exactly, cooler. literally. <laughs> um, but there's also still context to this, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus, being a Jewish man, being a devout, Jew- de- uh, devout Jewish man, being a learned Jewish man, he has every right to not talk to women, especially not in public whatsoever. Yeah. It is completely in his right. And actually it's the appropriate thing given those, those um, markers at that time. So the woman at the well, he was just sitting there and just starts talking to this woman. And um, she's kind of already caught off guard. Like, why is this man talking to me? Like it's inappropriate, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, whatever he's saying she's kind of like are you this guy that like everybody's talking about and then he was like I know you I know you got a couple husbands girl and he was like she was like wait what she was like I know you got like five husbands he was like no you're definitely this you're you're definitely Jesus right and he was like 
Yeah. And not only my Jesus, but the water I'm offering you is more powerful than the water in this well. And she was like, why are you talking to me, bro? Like, you know, that I got all these husbands, Some you know, that I'm in a different like community energy coming off <laughs> in a way, but it's also saying like, she was also moved. Like, this is the thing of like, our brains haven't changed that much, mm-hmm. but imagine being a woman from a nomadic society mm-hmm. that has non-traditional concepts of marriage where she has literally multiple husbands and you know, could be seen as being sexually deviant in a lot mm-hmm. of eyes. And he's talking to her like an equal, offering mm-hmm. her salvation, saying that she is good enough to be saved, despite the fact that she, in so many contexts, would be deemed a horrible woman. Yeah. It's also, like, how can you see this as a very clear example of Jesus offering salvation to everyone without, you know, monetizing it? Has, has grace. If you have, if you're willing to accept grace by grace alone, hashtag Luther, um, even if you have five husbands, even if the man you're living with isn't your husband and yet organized religion can ignore that. Yeah. Jesus himself says prostitutes will go to heaven before most of you. And yet that's not something honored either. Well, the hypocrisy there's there's just um it's just it it flows it gives life force to the greater structure is hypocrisy well it's just not reading the text it's, it's, it's a con that, that's what it's, it means. the structure itself was built on not reading the text yeah. the structure itself was not putting it in well, social historical context second sons in charge of an organization <laughs> this is also what happens and let's like bring it back to fascism right yeah. like People aren't seeing the signs of fascism. People aren't seeing How are the signs. are you not people? I know like- Because people are uneducated. Listen. And like, I, I remember one time I went to public school and I remember one time sitting in public school and I just looked around and go, oh, they're doing this to us on purpose. Oh. They don't want us to know. They don't, they don't want to invest in education because they don't want us to be smart. Mm-hmm. They want us to be easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to research the, the players that are playing the game right now. And I know that they are- I know that they are financially investing in defunding education. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Basically, since uh, the 1980s, it's been just a downward spiral. The late, I mean, the early night, I mean, basically Reagan, but a little bit before, you know, just just the end, the end of um, of holding space for a greater uh, educated and self-determinant people is um has been a downfall for 40 plus years now and i mean that's i, think, I mean that's what what's her name the the that devos chick yeah i mean she's a prime example well you know about her brother right oh, oh, oh. let's not even mention the names but like that's a yeah. prime example we'll exactly i just wanted to know how prime you you're like oh she's a oh, prime yeah. example for oh. many things <laughs> no i mean but like <laughs> But, but that's the thing. That's how it's truly insidious. And, yes. and um, I like to use the word incestuous because they also are big supporters of incest. And I always like to say if incest was healthy, nature would support it. And I always also like to comment think about how Habsburgs just think, <laughs> but also it's a lot more common than people want to comment on. Like how many times have you been at a friend's house and shit was weird? 
this is we are a non-sleepover family i've i've put a we only i'm not going to get into my specific no yeah 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 but no sleepovers until you can literally drive and maybe not even then um it's or it's dangerous yeah you do not know you don't know people you do not. And even if you think you know them, you don't. You do not. <laughs> Watch way too many Netflix documentaries and have seen way too many things in the early 90s. Don't want my Absolutely. children going you know? through that. No, it's- Beware um, of Uncle Stilskin. <laughs> <laughs> why do we keep going back to him? <laughs> because it's Pisces season it's and Pisces. I genuinely, and I think it's year one and I- this is so going back to like talking about like it's insidious and I like yeah. to use the word incestuous yeah. also because the world is that dark. Yeah. Well, why would the world I mean, we, is that dark and we need to start yeah. acknowledging it and talking about it like it is. Well, you because know, you, I think that's part of the fascist conversation. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? Oh, I was saying it, how, how do you, how do you expose what's in the dark? You shine a light, you, you educate, you communicate, you share, but also you stop invalidating pain. I think oh. part of the fascist conversation and what you're talking about with the 80s is having this kind of hyper bourgeois whitewashing for the lack of a better term of or maybe that's a pun I don't know of you know reality this idea of like life isn't hard that children this idea that children aren't losing their minds with sexual hormones and that they have to be like sanitized from it and by children I mean teenagers I'm old enough that they're children to me (laughs) I'm not even teenagers. I mean, truly, like you know, yes, 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 yes. On it, it's eight and up, and then just—that's when the hormones kick in. Absolutely, you don't really know what's happening, but that's when they start kicking in. Yeah, and to erase that, I think, does so much damage because then so much of your youth is searching for clarity that could have just been told. What's oh, you're going through hormones? No, what's the key purpose of fascism? Right, it's to dilute a population to a a base level where they have no self determination, no inner or personal strength, and one of the sexes is dominant over the other out of fear. And how do you do that? It's to shame your people. And how do you shame people? The easiest it's through sex. It's through, it's, it's through the body, through the physical touch, you know, regulating, um, breeding Mm -hmm. and then, uh, regulating understanding of sexuality a hundred percent, which is what you were just saying. I was just reframing it in my language. It's interesting to see. It's interesting to, um, to see a shift in the, I would say, I, I guess I would, I wouldn't say like Gen X, I would say millennials, but mostly Gen Z and whatever this future generation of little mm-hmm. ones will be called, um, the Aquarians, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting to see the, the progression of these generations of, of acknowledgement. Like, I feel like the millennials are the yes. acknowledgers. The Gen Zers are the the healing, like they're actively healing. And then what's going to keep coming is the it's like the more disruptors. It's like we're healing, but we're sh- we're changing. We're we're the struck. This is this bullshit is not happening. And you see it with the the younger generations that that this innate shame of self um, to deplete the the positive receptive ego is. Um, it's failing. This experiment is failing. I don't believe in our cognitively brained of over 300,000 years of being this way, that the entire time we've been this 
this brain structure, we have allowed this structure to be. And in, in the short term of a couple thousand years of this structure, we're at the downfall of it. You know, we, as you were saying, we're year one of, of acknowledge, acknowledging and then destructing. <laughs> Which I saw something, maybe it was a meme or something yesterday where it's like, can we stop talk like using abuse and neglect as a character development sort like plotline for like parental abuse and neglect. And mm. it's like, I feel like the younger generation is having living in a world where that's no longer a truth. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, I think the, the, the majority is for sure. And I think that's where, right. you know, the previous generation of acknowledging it and using it over and over, cause you have to keep acknowledging it. And then future generations of being like, well, we don't even have to witness it anymore. There's no need for us to acknowledge it because it's already been done. It's these collective, uh, it's like collective karmic healing, you know, on a absolutely a hashtag Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just Which, freaking Pluto, man, at 27 degree, I did not realize it was going to hit me that hard. <laughs> Fucking 27 degrees. Uh, I, have you ever have seen his dark materials, by the way, I have. or read the books? I have. I what really you were saying was reminding me of that also with like the children and mm -hmm. the shame and the mass manipulation. Yeah. And I mean, that circles back to the beginning of our conversation of how the arts, and I feel like it's a very timely conversation that we're having with all of yes. this Pluto, I mean, all this uh, Pis Piscean energy. But Pluto also. And Pluto, yes, of being in this um, place of the arts tell the future before we're living the future, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's the perfect way to um, shape the future is through the arts, right? So, I mean, if you look at, I mean, even if you take like Star Trek, you know, <laughs> you know, I forgot there's someone, I don't, I'm definitely botching whatever the concept was, but it was basically like the creator was like, this is the world I want to see. This is the world that's going to happen. And I'm going to create a story plot lines and structure so that it can be. And like, Which look, you know, look at where we're going. <laughs> I wrote a note earlier and I forgot mm. to circle back to it when we were talking about like prayer and the power of prayer, mm. Sailor Moon, oh. who was written by a Pisces who studied astronomy, which is clearly influential in all of this. And fundamentally the power, what makes Sailor Moon a princess, what makes her, you know, so powerful is that she awakens in others, their self-belief. And yeah. because of that, they pray for her and her power of love is what saves the universe time and time and time again, which this very much our storyline storyline right now is feeling very like, I want to say season three of Sailor Moon. I might be off. It might be season four, but to that point, um, I'm actually trying to think we are, we are, I'm trying to think of what you're talking. We are in the midst of rewatching it over and over again. We have oh yeah, because the, the virus huge. one, the one where the virus takes over the world and the world shuts down. Yeah, that literally happens. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I oh, know. the and utopia that, that was going to talk about because you know she has Sailor Moon in the past life and yep. then she has Sailor Moon in her future life, Queen Serenity, and that is literally a utopia. Utopia fueled through healthy gender partnership, hashtag age of Aquarius. Yeah. Um, as well, 
And because of that stabilized peace, everyone no longer feels the need to go to war, you know? And I think that's, I mean, you know, that's the... Enters the conflict, but... (laughs) (laughs) We need drama. But that's the thing, like, so how... So... (laughs) <laughs> as, as my human brain's like, we love drama. <laughs> like, then how do we not have conflict? How do we live in without drama? <laughs> and then if we create art to have drama, isn't that going to just project drama? And that's a never going back to bed knobs and broomsticks, you know. <sighs> it's I it's, mean, just, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. but beautifully exhausting. Let's <laughs> also like be here now, you know. Yeah. Yes. And I think that like, for me, um, that was something that I, uh, I've been struggling with recently is being, being in the now, you know, when, when you get in depth of, in a spiritual practice, like this is how my brain works. I either get stuck in a past, like reworking the past over and over again, or stuck in the future. And I forget that the only place I can be is in the now, and how do you how do you cultivate a spiritual practice or an energetic practice around being in the now? I mean, obviously Buddhism, um, but, <laughs> but how do you do that on a, um, a in a language that is of your own, right? Um, and that's I have recently cultivated a language for that, which is inspired by I posted this meme a few times. I want to say it's the Brain Coach. Okay. she talks about the arousal levels, hyper and hyper, hyper and hypo arouse. And really feeling that in my own body, almost like a spiritual flame inside and thinking of myself as like the vestal virgin in charge of maintaining my own spiritual fire. Mm. And I think about this of like, you know, I love myself. I can indulge in too much caffeine sometimes because it's this idea of like well I'm up and doing things let me like keep going keep going and then it's like the fire is going bigger and bigger and then you can't turn it down Mm. or you're depressed in bed and you just can't get the motivation to come up and you know maybe you skip dinner and like your fire is just too low and you just can't get that going Mm. so for me keeping that balance is like I don't have to purge myself out of all of my energy at the end of the day. I don't have to, whatever the video game power up to the umps degree Mm -hmm. to be functional. Mm. No, it's finding an arousal level that is human. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sustainable. It's, it's, it's a sustainable slow burn. It's the never ending. It's the flame of, uh, What's, is it the endless flame? I forget what, what's that flame? I don't know. Um, the one in eternal, DC. eternal. Um, but it's also to that point, sustainable, sustainable, you know, stewardship, you know, these are spiritual concepts of green living, healthy living and are what honoring our humanity, honoring our, we are not just sentient life. Mm-hmm. We are your life itself. And to kind of bring it back to the Christian perspective is the living God. And one way to view this is like, who's the devil in this concept then? Warmongers. Mm. People that don't believe in quality of life, mm. that don't honor the sacredness of birth and death. You know, these are really the things of the, you know, people that want to corrupt nature, that want to corrupt purity and innocence, that want to take advantage of purity and innocence, you know? So 
monotheistic religion in the organized sense at its ideal should be about worshiping life. Mm. But it's interesting, you know, St. Hildegard. Yes, yes. She has this and there's certain multiple different religious uh, concepts. And if you look at Jewish law and in truth, you know, like a lot of those kosher laws are about restricting death forces and only honoring life-giving forces, which is why like you're not supposed to have sex um, with your wife when she's on a period because they think that's like a force of death, not a life force. Because you're not, you're not able to create life. Yeah. Correct. So this life-giving force, that's really what, that's creation energy. That's, mm. you know, why invalidation is so hard because it's a block to, you know, that life force. So it's like, how do we be spiritual practitioners? It's being guardians and stewards of life-giving energy without allowing it to deplete or overstimulate us. And the only way to do that is to view yourself as a vestal virgin of your temple, of your spiritual fire, of your eternal flame. Oh, yeah. Because even if you see someone that you've known in life and then see them in death, Mm. the only way to really explain it is their eternal fire has been turned off, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. know? Oh, so many thoughts. <laughs> but you don't feel like we need to have like another session. We will, we will do many of these. Um, <laughs> no. So I did, I did want to ask you um, just a quick, before we go into my rapid fire ending. Okay. Here, um, <laughs> Cause it's a podcast. We got to do something interactive. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to do, you yeah. got to do branding. You got to do your branding. I was like, I need something that's the same every episode. If not, no, I, I agree. Yes. yes. Um, no, I just wanted to ask uh, a little bit about the services that you provide at oh. Modern Sanctuary. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I, like, I thought you were going to be like, what do you think about the Pluto? <laughs> Oh, what do I actually do? Yeah. No, I wanted it because one, I think I've never been to Modern Sanctuary, but it looks spectacular. And Mm -hmm. I am deeply, I'm going to, I'll say it, deeply jealous that you can be in that space every (laughs) Thursday because it looks amazing. So the way that I expected it to be based off the social media and the way that it's run is slightly Mm -hmm. different. Okay. And it's not um, a bad thing, but it's just like my expectation when I see spa, I think like a communal space where there's a lot of people hanging out and like, a girl's afternoon. And while you can technically do that, Mm. it's really much more about like going to a spiritual cave and visiting me for, you know, a Thursday, which actually works better. Well, there's not a lot of, yeah, works better for me. It's not, there's not a lot of other people there unless they have active clients. So sometimes we could be the only people in the space completely. Wow. So it's actually really lovely in that sense. Other times, of course, it could be packed, but most of the time, you know, it's very, you know, thir- other other people don't priority, prioritize Thursday. Let me put it that way. Gotcha. So when you come in to see, like if you book a session with Vivian, the a Thursday is most likely going to be more of an exclusive private energy yes. when you're going into Modern Sanctuary. And then you're, and when you have clients, you know, you're doing different energy techniques, um, tarot, you do astrology archetypes, readings, right? So I do online services. So I just wanted to clarify that off right away because um, it's designed as a spa and it looks like it's a busy place, but it's actually very chill. And 
I'm working on my branding now, but the branding is by appointment only, by referral only. Makes sense. Um, nice to have that yeah. So Modern has house services and then I have my personal services. So my personal services, I refer to as bespoke spiritual services, where every time you come in, um, your time is your time. We can use it any the way that you want. My main client recently, she's literally just wanted someone to talk to because she hasn't had a confidant in a couple of months. So she'll come in, I'll sit with her in the salt room and she'll just talk to me for 30 minutes and I just listen. That's amazing. Other times I'll do um, energy healing on you. I'm being initiated into a um, new tradition currently that I can't talk about just yet, but I will be able to at the end of the month, but I am already, you know, a decade of Reiki, mm-hmm. I have a licensed cosmetologist and esthetician, so I can incorporate beauty elements. I have a luxury bespoke spiritual session available. It's not listed yet. It's um, by, you have to request it at the moment. Um, but I also do tarot. I, you can also do remote tarot. I can do mm-hmm. my healing energy remotely as well, but I tend to like remote sessions to be more talking. Yeah. That's more sense. my personal like ego trip. <laughs> Every, so every healer I'm, has their own like the yeah. that works best for them but if you come into modern you will get like you can get water you can get tea they have a huge himalayan salt room where you can relax by yourself or with others you know they have the sensory seven bed which has the biomad and the chakra energy healing light oh, i love that they have a private sauna they have a membership where you can pay for the price of a facial and get you know, the LED, the oxygen treatment, the salt room four times a month. So there's a lot of like modern sanctuary really is a thing where you can really just escape for the city, right? And it's a convenient location and enter this little spiritual cave and come out at your convenience. And mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't what I expected when I went in. Cause I expected it to just be a traditional spa setting. Yeah. Um, but I think this works out better for my clients, what they need, what they want, you know, to have a really, you know, hideaway to experience. I think it's necessary. Like when you live in New York mm-hmm. city, I mean, when you live anywhere, you know, but specifically high, high energy places, like mm-hmm. you need to find sanctuary, <laughs> even, if, <laughs> even if it's just once in a blue moon, or if you make it a regular mm-hmm. thing, like just tuning off the vibrations of that, <laughs> of that vortex of an island is, is necessary. Um, because it is, it is not the faint, uh, not for the faint of heart, uh, living in that energetic awesome. I mean, it's beautiful. I, I miss it frequently, but I did realize how different you feel. (laughs) Which is what I love about their house services too, is because they're all these contained treatments that you can really get that central Mm. um, experience like the sensory seven bed is what it's called and it's literally in a dark room with only lights over your chakras lit while you're on like a fancy warming bed with deep vibrational sounds and bilateral beads i did the sound uh bed thing once it's so cool they call it an energy bath and i think that's a great way of putting it so it's like straight men love even doing that regularly so it's like if you or someone so I'm kind of realizing that my special specialty is becoming like helping people's nervous system calm down enough to like actually go into therapy. <laughs> Cause I'm not your therapist. I don't want to be your therapist. No, you know I mean? you're, you're a precursor. <laughs> you're a precursor. I'm a precursor <laughs> or I'm like a main, main maintenance. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so 
if you're like high inflamed, as I would call you, um, if your mental or nervous system energy is really a lot, I'll just like throw you in that room. <laughs> That's what I would recommend. Like your first 30, 45 minutes when you come just should be in that dark room with the vibrational energy bed, because unless you get that, you're not going to be able to focus. It should be a requirement for all of your uh, clients. Sorry. But then there's the meditation pod where you can close down. And then that is a complete white out situation. Like you're in a spaceship and that gets color therapy aligned with what meditation you're getting. Or you can go into the salt room. (laughs) You might be able to, but it might be a little expensive. But then the salt room also, you can adjust those color lights also. Yeah. So then you can be there for 30 minutes. You're getting the salt healing treatment. Then you're getting the light therapy treatment. You'll feel like you're in this, you know, energy cloud. Like I'd say like you're in an angel bubble because it's just like this glass pink iridescent light. I love that you work there. It was, did I tell you the story about that? How that came to be? No, I just like, I know that like, I don't know. Did you like just put yourself out there and then they like had you there? So because I'm licensed in New York and New Jersey and I always, the goal was always to like own a spa wellness spa. And then I started working in spas and things weren't working. So then I went to college and then I had a breakdown and (laughs) then I started building this and now I'm here. So every once in a while, I will just Google like, I'll go on Craigslist and see room rentals because you can do yeah. that in New York and just yeah. see what the market is, see what to expect. Like if I wanted to accomplish this dream, what would I need to have that happen? So I just happened to find modern and was like, oh my God, this place is literally perfect. Like this would be the perfect place for me to start. Then like a week later, my sister was like, you know, you have like this money and this, because like, my uncle died and left like some stuff. She was like, you know what? You have this. Like, and I was like, no, I didn't know <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. Well, I knew I had it in the sense that I got a check every year that he set up for me that every year I get a check. check. Yeah. But I didn't know that I could access that independently of that end of the year check. So I was like, is this a sign that it's the time? And like year of COVID seems like the perfect time to just like throw yourself and build from scratch. Why not? It's a change. It was, la- it was, it was year. It was the last year. It was <laughs> year zero. Year, it was literally, yeah, it was like year zero. That's the book. It's actually year zero, year one, year yeah. two, the book. So it was literally year zero. And as you know, I was like having a full meltdown. Yeah. There's other personal issues that are going on at the same time. And then it just like, <sighs> Honestly, very recently, it just started to feel like, okay, I can do this. You know, okay, I'm on the path. I know what I'm doing. People aren't going to feel like taken advantage of. And like, I'm confident in my skills, but when you add that like fee on top of it, it complicates things so much. It is the hardest thing to do for for people who are energy healers, like for me, I was actually just talking, I had a, I had a play day with one of my energy friends today. <laughs> and um, we, we were talking about knowing our value. And it's like, I know my value, but the second I put any sort of um, monetary value on it, I forget everything I'm worth. And we were talking about how to like, back in the day, I would have been a spiritual healer and you could have put me up for lodging and I would have been happy. Give me a bowl of porridge. I, that's all I want. But because we live in this capitalist society, I have to take your money and it makes me feel so uncomfortable. (laughs) Just so like, just, just give me a lollipop and I'll be fine. (laughs) Which I'm doing. I do. I do barter. I love barter. I'm bartering right now. Yeah, barter is the best. My friend is going to do marketing for me. 
There you go. If I, cause I cannot do the market. I've done marketing as much as I can. It's so much. And I'm at a place where I just can't, I don't have the creative know-how to translate it into like the reels that I've done are the best I can do without help. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I do. And they're I, fine, I, but they're not fantastic. No, you social media I mean? marketing is a, a whole nother world of just bullshit and talking I, about libra signaling like and it's talking, just like so when you're truly and and it's not to say people are inauthentic in marketing but it is when you were truly a grounded authentic person it is so difficult in that world it just is you're like what the fuck like why because i could just accidentally curse and then it's like oh all of that good cash you know what i actually say you'll love this i think <laughs> i call the algorithm social credit in the way that your credit score for money, the algorithm is your social credit score. Makes so but much of course sense. it's a fascist <laughs> social credit score. Exactly. I'm just gonna open my drinks, so let's just- No, no, take it's a fine. Moment. My cats were meowing like crazy. It's fine. I've been here that I'm not all, but I'm if also If you're still listening. <laughs> you know. I do have some really passionate magic on the patio attendees because they're attendants on my patio even though we're in my whatever I call this <laughs> closet hallway one day I'll be back on the patio when it's not they're protecting years. you from the people from the spirits trying to invade the space oh, I know the spirits the spirits now they're fighting because I didn't feed them <laughs> <laughs> I was like it's because half the bowl is empty so they're fighting with each other over the like just please these cats they're too old I can't anyways um no, I don't know what I was going to talk about, but yeah, so the I'm really, that you have questions you want to ask me. I had so many questions, but what I, yeah. Oh, I want to do the rapid fire, but yeah. So for everyone, uh, New York city people, anyone who's going into the city for like a day trip or weekends, check Vivian out. I'll put all of her information in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Um, and I also do remote sessions yes. and I do occasional free Instagram lives. Yes, you do. And but so I fun. am so inconsistent with it, but I I'm going to lean into that. Yeah, Instead of going like every week on Wednesday at this, I'm just gonna be like, oh, I got an hour. Let me just go live. You know what? I bet you. I, so this is something I have struggled with this too. I wanted to be really regimented with specific things. And then I realized that our, where we're at now as a consumer of a, a media consumer, people aren't like that anymore. You're not waiting for your show on Sunday night. No, it drops all at the fucking same time. You get to binge it whenever you want or whenever it's like, do it, lean into the madness. Chaos is a ladder. It's year one. I love fucking chaos. I Me call too, myself yeah. cosmic chaos. I feel so comic. Well, one of my, one of my favorite literary quotes is from the Great Gatsby, and it's "I love small. I love large parties. They're so intimate." <laughs> you know, New York City, though. Also, it is so. My favorite thing I always used to tell people they'd be like, oh, "Like I don't know, like it'd be like one of those questions, like what's your favorite thing to do?" It's like my favorite thing to do is to sit at a crowded bar alone. I love it doing, is, you know, I love doing that. I, mean, I, I love yeah, doing it that. Is, I mean, it is my favorite thing because you don't, you don't have to talk to anyone or you can talk to everyone you are. And exactly. it's just, it is the most perfect bubble of, uh, I don't know, of life. Um, also there's a level of spontaneity to it. You know what I mean? And you can be whoever you want in that moment. <laughs> Which like, I love going drinking alone on Sundays and Wednesdays because of the most unpredictable nights. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It could be the busiest night. It, like really true. If you've worked in the restaurant industry, you know that those could be the busiest nights of the week or the deadest. 
And if they're the busiest nights, show up. If they're the busy nights, they're usually cool people that show up too. Well, yeah, they're yeah. not always. Yeah, but they're 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 like they're life lessons. I feel like Sunday and Wednesday people are life lessons. Venus and Gemini, Venus and Gemini, baby. I love for that. <laughs> All right, let's start the magic on the patio um, rapid fire edition. This is me trying to be a, a toxic male <laughs> podcast host. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you five questions, answer as quickly as possible, and they're all kind of like patio, outside living, you know, branding. Fabulous. All right, number one, where is your favorite patio? My first answer would just be in my old house. We um, did an extension um, when we got money. (laughs) So we had this, so I'm from Seaside, which is the Jersey Shore, literally where the Jersey Shore film is from, but I'm from the bougie part of town, which I like to say. There are some really nice houses. And actually, um, so there's really nice house because it was originally either Philly, like aristocracy and in the American sense Mm -hmm. or World War II GI Bill people. So it's like that big uh, extreme for the GI people. So there's also a limit in the... um, how high the building can be too. So all of the buildings are, you can't be bigger than three stories, I don't think, maybe mm-hmm. four, anyway. So we had this patio built and because all of the buildings are low and my, I'm literally from an island that's only two blocks wide. Yep. So we could just like sit out there and watch the water and the sunset. And it was like, I mean, it's probably the size of my apartment. It was probably like 200 square feet square, you know, but it was like huge and nice, yeah. <laughs> And it was like on the second story. So like, it was just oh, really gorgeous. You yeah. could, see the, could you see the bay and the, and the ocean? So we're a half and a block from the bay and right. we're actually under um, low sea level. So you have to be like higher to higher. see the ocean. Higher. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we also have like a lot of dunes, obviously. I love, I love, I do love the Jersey shore. There's some, there's some really great energy. Um, well, I, I like always say that. And laundry, but like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say like the always sunny um, episode of the Jersey Shore is the most accurate and there will never be a more accurate representation because it's either this like idyllic, gorgeous, perfect summer day, or it's just going to be pure chaos. Like there's literally no in between. It's either one or the other. But there's and always that's why the I love chaos because I'm like, I can wawa. chill. Yes. It's always the wawa. <laughs> There's always the wow. Uh, you know what I made for breakfast yesterday morning? My grocery store here in Connecticut started carrying carrying Taylor ham. So I bought You know what I think? You know Bradley Oni? Bradley Oni lives in Connecticut now and is promoting pork roll like it's like he's being paid for it and he well, probably is or he's just a Jersey, Jersey boy. husband was <laughs> I was like I he was, I came home and I was like, you know, I was like, I got a pri- I got a surprise for you. You know, I got you a present. And he was just like, whoa, <laughs> like, why'd you spend money? And I like showed it to him and he was like, like, I, like choking. Cause we only get it when we go and visit and we yeah. haven't really been going to Jersey since COVID. So it was like the, I mean, now that it's there, I'm like, is it going to be special anymore? It's always special. <laughs> you know, you have to cut the four slits in it. 100 percent i've okay. i've been i've been raised i've been raised okay, by, okay. i don't know by, by jerseyites but the best part is like using the scissor <laughs> fabulous anyways oh gosh central jersey <laughs> 
from Jersey Shore. I know. I know Tom's River identifies differently, but I, I always like to well, even emphasize that on the island, we had Monmouth County cable. We didn't even have the same cable as people in Tom's River. That's true. So like, yeah, Doug's, Doug's dad considers himself short. No, Doug grew up in, um, in, uh, but the lagoon is kind of an in-between. Yeah. He's right on the, they're right on the lagoon. Um, yeah. And it's the, the little lagoons that look like a tree. They're right by the, uh, what's that? What's the state park? It starts with the sea. With all the, yeah they're literally right there um i know some horror stories from that area by the way that place, I don't that place know is like well, yeah, so do we, i mean well, i'll just i'll just say this they were when i was in the 90s growing up there were multiple stories of children murdering their parents in that neighborhood multiple i wouldn't be surprised within within surprised a short time period that doug didn't no there's some energy man there's some energy i, I put it this way Artie lang's vacation home is in the lagoon area so that's where he goes to calm down and parties. <laughs> they wouldn't the amount the violence that would come upon the crew very quickly they would not be able to handle that they will not be able to hand a reality show in the lagoon let's just put it that way no no, no but i think one of them i think Teresa judice used to have her house over there but then she sold it and now she's so they're actually so my she's best friends like or something now uh, perhaps one of my best friend in church growing up, um, they I have to be careful what I say because <laughs> we don't we don't have time about it because I do have like I was like they, they her dad was a doctor and yeah. they had a lot of money and they had a house over there so there was like a little section mm. um, where there were like they ha- she had like a four story chandelier in her house that so there is like cool. a little section there that's like really crazy rich yeah no the the people are it, it's an it's an interest it's, a, it's an interesting like, Doug, vibe. like i mean we don't have to go into jersey yeah history. Doug's dad, they're like boardwalk people so it's oh, okay yeah yeah yeah. it's that energy uh, <laughs> so let's do number two because now we know where your favorite patio is it's in the seaside <laughs> <laughs> well it, does, uh, it doesn't exist anymore because it's sandy right. oh, i know <laughs> that was another i remember we were there the weekend before sandy like visiting and we went to go see some like some random fireworks on the board like it was just like leftover fireworks you know and then you can just and like, they do weekly fireworks yeah and then i just remember being like i really like it down here and then we then sandy and his yeah everything his house yeah brand new house yeah. now <laughs> yeah built it to look exactly the same though but on stuff. interesting <laughs> Anyways, all right, I don't think they listen. All right, uh, number episode, <laughs> not episode, um, question number two. All right, um, oh, are you more of a, like, when you're sitting on your patio, are you more of a dining table person or, like, couch lounge seating on your patio? Like, what, what's more your vibe? That's very, that's actually a difficult question because I grew up with a side patio and a front patio. And now I'm like, I should have said my side patio because there's levels to that. But now I'm like, because my bedroom was actually my, one of my windows went to the side patio. It didn't go outside. Mm, And that was more of like a sunroom. So if you know, my family that's from Ukraine built the house that I grew up in. So it's like this weird little, like, it's weird. (laughs) So my bedroom window leads to the sunroom, which is only windows. (laughs) So that one had couches. So if I'm in the sunroom patio, 
I love to like lounge on the couch mm-hmm. and it sounds super fancy, but I want to be like, it's very fisherman aesthetic. I, and I, understand, very, like... I know exactly what that sunroom <laughs> looks like. So I get, my parents have that sunroom in their house. Lovely. And it is, <laughs> it is truly glamorous it, it and is. truly right, like high class. And it, no, it is. It is. I, but it's also just like an old couch going house. on the side. Yeah. <laughs> you buy them, they're kids. You literally just, you staple them in. But then eating, you know, fresh seafood you caught that day on the dining room table on the front patio during sunset. Fucking magical. You know, that's something uncomparable. But a nap in the hot sunroom, that's also magical. This is your Gemini Venus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what is what what mood am I in that day? You know what I mean? It's, so it's a mood. I get I understand this. I get it. All right. So number number three. Okay. So if you could hang out on your favorite patio, let's pick your son lounging. So someone that you okay. want to lounge with, like alive, dead, dead or alive, any person in the world, in, in all of human existence, who would you want to just lay on your couch with and just chill with? I mean, my first response is like a man. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I guess you like, you know, if I'm, if I'm like, couch. if I'm being more like beyond just like horny vibes, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, my, my father passed and it's my father's house and I associate like my father sleeping on the couch there so much. So I could just say that, you know, like, uh, that's, a, that's, you know, though. that's a good one because it, yeah. whenever you feel like it's like oh, some random person, like, no, that's personal. Yeah. Dad snuggles are the best. All right. So <laughs> number four. All right. Oh, what would you have on your, like on your dream patio, like say you can come up with any of like your dream patio. What would I dream you- about this often? So okay, I like this. So question. think about your dream patio. What is what are your favorite plants? Like what is the flora? Okay. Um, I'm not good with the flora names. So I'm just gonna start with I'm gonna to me it's about the lushness. You know, I want green on green on green. Yep. I also would love to have birds of paradise because that reminds me of my mom. Yeah. She had a birds of paradise poster in her bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking of like, this isn't a great movie, but I think you'll know it. And I still love it, even though the editing and whatever. Um, what is it called? Um, Mortal Instruments, Mortal Instruments. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're like really posh mm-hmm. sunroom. That would be like, you know, I, 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 I love roses, of course, but I also am like, I'm not even thinking of that because I know the maintenance of a rose is like, I'm not having that in my sunroom. You want That's like jungle-esque, lush, like human. I want like beauty. ivy. I want like an English rose oh, kind of like okay. French garden, mm-hmm. but I have a very European cottage aesthetic. Let me put it that way. But I love, love, love a like glass sunroom. Like, yeah, I so like a cottage aesthetic with a glass sunroom. Like English garden atrium. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. But like really just like some place to have like really fabulous breakfast. You know, like I'm imagining something very grand, but it's also like having that cozy element at the same time. You know? You just want to sip on your your tea and eat some like sausage and eggs and or and pork roll, meat on me and bacon. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know. To me, I think like a perfect breakfast would be like pork roll eggs benedict. Your, you, your eyes would you I just said that. <laughs> but like, so the thing is, what's the bread? Is it an English muffin? 
is it an everything bagel? Is it an egg bagel? Is it a Bialy? Like, this is where my mind's going. I mean, I would think, you know, your first instinct is to go English muffin, but you know what? I think What's it, the most Jersey thing. What? The most Jersey thing would probably be to do it on a bagel. Yeah. Like but I honestly thing. think a potato roll would oh, be the perfect like a Martin's potato roll. You know, exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I have, but that. that's me. I, I that's literally me have being... a bag right now. So like, yeah, I, could I always keep this. a bag. <laughs> I always have a bag of Martin's potato rolls all the time. You're my favorite just to eat plain some butter. Or oh, like or exactly a butter roll. Yeah. Oh gosh. Butter rolls. Anyways. All right. Last one. <laughs> my favorite. This is my favorite. Okay. So this is a take on like Mary Shag kill, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to give you three people and they're all Virgo risings. And I would like you to tell me who you want to have dinner with. Who do you just want to have drinks with? And who are you uninviting to your patio? Virgo <laughs> risings, classic edition, Shirley McLean. Dolly Parton or Doris Day? Dolly Parton dinner, obviously. You want to say, yeah. So what's interesting is, uh, <laughs> is Doris Day and who is the other one? Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. You know, Shirley MacLaine is a believer. I know she is. She loves, <laughs> she lives in Sedona. She's like, oh, does she? she's like into, she is community. Have you ever seen Irma LaDouche? No, it's a Billy Wilder movie she's in. I really, really love it. She plays a prostitute in England. Oh, yes, I want. Yes, Marilyn yeah. was supposed to play that before she died. Really, but I think I think Shirley MacLaine does it excellently. I love Shirley MacLaine in that movie. I think I took a random film class, and I, I like I now remembering we totally watched that. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I'll say drinks with Shirley, and then I love perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. But Doris is, but I also love that she's a Virgo rising because of course she is. Yeah. yeah I was looking, Shirley is a double, I have to, I'll have to go back, but I know she was, she's all, she's like a Taurus sun, like a cap, or she's like a Taurus sun, cap moon and Virgo rising. She's all earth. There was something, she's love all that. earth. Dolly has some fire and air in her. And then Doris Day, like, uh, oh, she was like a, an Aries rising or no, an Aries uh, moon or something. Like she had some more fire placements. Oh, and she had a cancer. Oh, she was a cancer son. That's what it was. I think, yeah. So, you know, Dolly declines rock, uh, admission into the rock and roll hall of fame today. No, but I kind of love it in a weird way. And then she said, my husband loves rock and roll music. I want to write a rock and roll album now to please him because of this nomination. Not to please him, but like my husband will be so happy that I'm going to finally do a rock and roll album. Thanks for the nomination. I'm I'm bowing out. I guess there was a tie between her and someone else, and she's like, I don't even I don't even have a rock album. Why am I being nominated? <laughs> yeah, and like also like why, why she's like the type of person that like, you don't nominate, right? <laughs> either give her an award or shut your mouth she's like the most perfect person ever like just just she gets the award for the world like yeah Dolly. All imagine, right, so. I'm, just, I'm gonna imagine when everything went down yeah. imagine like this is judgment day and you're like <laughs> you don't know whose side to be on and you're looking on the lines and you're like Dolly Parton I'm gonna be on the opposite side of her team like imagine that not like snapping you into like let me realign my opinion on things. You know, Dolly Parton is like pretty, she's pretty on point. Like I'm just going to, wherever I will be, I will be in the Dolly Parton cult 
And that's how Utopia <laughs> is formed, is through the Dolly Parton way of life. Knowing who the leaders are. <laughs> Dolly Parton is the leader. This is, okay, so how, how are we going to set some intentions and manifest? <laughs> Oh, this I mean the leading funny. the library thing. Anyway, I mean I she's genuinely she's too good. Um, oh, I could cross you off my to do list. Look at that. Look at me being a Virgo rising. <laughs> Anyways, I um I really enjoyed our conversation. This I did evening. as well. Um, this was a lot of fun, and I really um personally you were my first interview back in a while and i i needed a jump start to get back onto this onto the patio so that this was a fun way to get back into it so i just want to say thank you so much um and i normally ask um before you say your ending piece um but i usually ask uh clients i'm uh, clients um <laughs> yes this is one clients guess uh if they would like to say a little closing prayer or meditation yeah. or just close but Sure, let's do you something. You have the floor. Okay, let me take my glasses off so I can think. <laughs> let me take my glasses off so I can think. Okay. Okay. I would like to invite everyone listening to comfortably exist in this space of prayer. All those that feel called to be present with us, I would like to invite some of their spiritual elders to bless each individual with a truth they can walk away with, which will provide a sense of direction as we are in this first year of Aquarian power. I would personally like to set the intention of all who are present to know the safety of fellowship and community. This gift is not a substitute for self-awareness. This gift is an instrument of power to enhance the life-giving force throughout the world. with love for humanity and our fellow humans. Mm 
May it be so. God bless. <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> chills and truth. That was beautiful. Hey. Thank you so very much. And um, we will talk again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, stay grounded, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Magic on the Patio. For more information about this week's guest co-host, head over to our Instagram at Magic on the Patio.